You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. this with, a partner or a trio, or maybe four, 
Okay, now look over at the other side at the person you didn't choose and make sure that they have a partner as well. Make sure no one's left out here. Make sure no one's left out and that everyone has a partner, someone to discuss this with. And I want to lean in to this question here, okay? We're going to discuss this. We're going to talk. We're going to build a place with noise so it doesn't feel like an awkward, quiet theater, okay? So discuss this question. What is God's mission? What is the mission of God? And there are a few scriptures on here that will give you just a brief primer to show you. A few scriptures that are going to just get you started, get you thinking about what it might mean. And so this first one is from Genesis. The second one is Isaiah. Okay? Now discuss it. Discuss it. What is God's mission? Into that family 
without just having to be born a Jew. And it, his family is multiplied, and it extends his family through his mission, through faith. Romans chapter 3, in verse 28, says this, about how we don't have to be just born into God's family anymore. It says, For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Meaning that putting our faith in God results in adoption into this family that he wants to continue to grow. And Ephesians chapter 1 also explains this. You look at that, Ephesians 1, 5. It explains that faith in Jesus results in being adopted into his family. And so, God wants a big family. God wants his word to be spread. God wants everyone in the world to know that he loves them. He wants this to be spreaded. And essentially, because this was God's mission from the beginning, this is essential to who God is. God is a God who wants his big family, who wants all people to be restored to him. God is essentially a missionary God. That's who he is. And some people pointed out, well, that's our mission too. Yes, it is. And we're going to get to that. But our mission does not just begin with an instruction or a command. It begins quite literally with who God is. Because missions is first and foremost about who God is. And the way that we do it is by explaining who God is. And so God is both the why and the what of all missions. He's why we do it. And then the point of missions is to share about him. So he is quite literally what we do. Okay? God is a missionary God. It flows out of his character. And we see that with God creating Adam and Eve in his image. And then everything went wrong, right? So he went after them. He wanted them back in his family. And he tries to restore that relationship. And then he goes after the family of Abraham. And he says, you are going to be my people. And then he goes after all of humanity. And he sends the Son, Jesus, to earth to become a human, to die, to allow even more into his family. To make a way into his family. And he continues throughout history to be a missionary God. And even today, God continually pursues us. He comes after us. He travels to us. God is a missionary God. This is just who he is. And the concept of a missionary God is often referred to in Latin as the Missio Dei. Have you ever heard that? The Missio Dei. And that is that this is God's mission to the world. And he is currently active and working all around us to accomplish this mission. He doesn't just do it on his own, however. I think many of us realize that. This is God's mission, but he doesn't just do it on our own. And so, next discussion question. Actually, let's not discuss it. Let's not go into that. But shout out some answers here. So we have a few more verses here. Romans chapter 10 and John 20. And shout out some answers of what might our responsibility in this be? See, Romans chapter 10, verse 14, says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And then John 20, verse 21 says this. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. 
So shout out some answers. What does this tell us? What is our responsibility in God's mission? Tell our story. Tell our story. To tell how our story is a part of his story. To connect our story to his story. To tell how our story is a part of his the Great Commission. That pretty much sums it up. So yeah, that's, <laughs> good job. Yeah, one more. Uh, well, just here I am. Send me, Lord. Yeah. And willingness to say, "Here I am. Send me." That's our responsibility. God is working and active in this mission, but He puts a responsibility on us. To work with him and to carry this out. And just as the Father sent the Son, the Son then sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now sends us, the church, to go out and to work on his mission. And so God being a missionary God calls his people to be a missionary people. And so the very beginning of this conversation about missions, about how do we save more people in this post-Christian, secular, pluralistic society, begins with who God is. Begins with who He is, and our responsibility in it. It begins with then redefining who we are as a missionary people. Now I hear a lot of you college students explain that you spend hundreds if not thousands on books and then you never get to use them again. Honestly, I can't relate, because I still use a lot of my textbooks, actually. Now, one of the textbooks that I used just this last week um, was written by David Bosch. It's called Transforming Missions, and it's one of the paramount textbooks that most people in seminaries will read when it comes to missions. And David Bosch wrote this. He said, God does not merely send the church in mission. God already is in mission, and the church must join him. He's out there working, and he calls us. Invites us to do our responsibilities. And I believe that we're called to participate in this mission. To build upon the foundation that he has laid. You see, when Jesus gave the disciples the great commission that we mentioned, he promised them, as you go, I am with you always. Reminding them that indeed, we're working with him. We're not just going out on our own, all by ourselves to figure this out. He is going with him. Because first and foremost, it's his mission. And he's partnering, we are partnering with him to share his gospel. And he reminded the disciples, not only of that, but also that they're going to play different roles. That mission is a very diverse, complex thing, and it looks like a lot of different things. And everyone has different gifts and different abilities and different personalities that will play into missions in different ways. And that's going to be an entire Sunday that we'll talk about that, of all the different ways that we can participate in missions. But nonetheless, regardless of what our gifting is, or how different our personal calling when it comes to mission is, all of us have the same calling to participate, to in some way live as a missionary. That we are all called to be missionary people. That we are called to live on mission. And a big starting point for this comes from the fact that we are told that we are essentially mobile temples. Mobile temples of the Holy Spirit. This was another one of those names that we almost had in the series, mobile temples, or mobile church. Because you know, back before Jesus, back before the Holy Spirit indwelt in believers, you had to go to the temple to encounter God. God's presence was only in the Holy of Holies. 
And if you wanted to encounter his presence, you had to go to the temple. But now, with the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, we don't limit God to just a temple. We don't limit God to just the Holy Ghost. Oftentimes we do, though, right? Oftentimes we limit God's activity to what happens in a church, to what happens in a building. But what we have to recognize is that as mobile temples, as mobile churches, everywhere we go, with the Holy Spirit inside of us, that's an opportunity for someone else to encounter the presence of God. Since Jesus, who literally is the presence of God, came to earth, broke that veil, and part of the Holy Spirit in us, now we live as mobile temples. And the presence of God goes with us. And so we don't have to say, well, you have to come to our cool new space to encounter God. Because the fact of the matter is, regardless of how cool our space is, most people who are apart from God, they don't care and they're not that impressed. <laughs> most of the missions still will not happen in this building. As nice as it is, it's not going to happen in this building. It's going to happen in your workplaces on your street, in your classes, in your dorms, and missions is going to be happening outside of here. Most of But we can have confidence in the fact that we are mobile temples, that as we go, the presence of God is not just in this room, the presence of God is inside of us, and it goes with us. And we partner with God in His mission. And so our lives are to be lived on mission. And all of us have a mission field. All of us are called to a certain place or find ourselves in a location right now where God is reaching out to people and working towards his mission. The thing is, God is just searching for people to send on that mission. He's searching for willing people who, like I said, would say to God, here am I, send me. He's searching for those people who will follow him and be missionaries where they live, to be missionaries where he's placed them. People who will say, where you go, I go. Just as Ruth said. Now for a lot of you college students, you missed out on our Christmas series, but we studied the book of Ruth. And so I would encourage you to go back on the website and listen to that on Facebook and watch those. Because Ruth has showed us that missionary mindset, that idea that of, of being taken by God's has said love. And Ruth explained to Naomi, where you go, I go. And that's, that's the posture that we approach our missionary God with. God, where you go, I go. That we want to be glued to his hip. That we want to be following him around the world as missionaries. That we have this mission from God. And then we travel on mission with God. We want to be glued to his hip. Wherever he goes, I go. Now just three or four weeks ago, Lena and I got a puppy. She's pretty cute. We have a picture up here of her. Her name is Willa. She's a rough collie, so she's a lassie. Um, the thing with rough collies is they're bred to be very people-centric. Um, they love people. If someone walks their dog by our yard, she couldn't even care less about the dog most of the time and just wants attention from the people. And she is definitely laying in a nice little shadow. She follows us all around the house. Does not give us any space. If I go to the bathroom and close the door, immediately I hear under the door sniffing. And, and she wants to be in there, and she wants to know where we're at. And she's still pretty, uh, <laughs> she still hates it when we leave and gets separation anxiety. So Matt and Kat have to hear her barking and howling whenever we leave, because she still is upset whenever we leave. And it's kind of exhausting as a puppy owner to 
not have any space. It's like when she's asleep, we're finally like, yes, I'm going to let her be okay. But if we have that approach to God, God's not exhausted or annoyed. Um, we can be um, with a little dog that follows us around. That's the approach, essentially, that God wants us to have with him. To be glued to his hip. To be following him around everywhere. To be constantly wondering, what are you up to? Feed me. <laughs> we probably don't need to just be doing tricks for him, though, but to be following him wherever he goes and be constantly wondering, God, what are you up to? Who are you working in? Who of my coworkers have you been speaking to? And how can I partner with you in that? And to be following him around just like that. Because if we're going to be faithful to God, if we're going to be faithful to the missionary God as his missionary people, then we just follow him everywhere. And we stick to him. Because he wants us to be involved. And he has this responsibility that he places on us to be faithful to him. If he's a missionary God, is to be faithful to his mission. J. Lee Grady, a few years ago, wrote in Charisma Magazine, great name. He wrote, um, in regard to uh, one of the uh, Pentecostal denominations, and he was writing to them and saying this. He said that our faithfulness to God will be determined not by our prophetic conferences, the size of our churches, the trendiness of our music, or whether we have gold dust appearing in our meetings. It, that is our faithfulness to God, will be judged by whether we make the Great Commission our priority. If God is a missionary God, then we are called to be faithful missionary people. However, oftentimes, we get distracted by other things, right? Our focus drifts. And the Great Commission often becomes the Great Home Mission, right? We can get focused on other things. We don't always obey, we don't always focus on sharing the Gospel. And this has happened throughout history. It happened in ancient Israel. In Genesis chapter 11, they built the Tower of Babel, right? God told them, spread out, spread out through all the earth. But instead, they just built a big home for themselves, and they stayed put. And instead of scattering throughout the world, they settled right there. And then the disciples did this as well. Even after the Great Commission, after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And they were told to go out throughout all the world... They stayed put in Jerusalem. They sat there. And in Acts chapter 2 is where the Holy Spirit fell. And it was from that point that they were supposed to go. But it wasn't until Acts chapter 7 that they actually went. And they only went because Stephen was stoned to death. And they were facing persecution. And that scattered. So it's pretty easy to get focused on the wrong things and to get sidetracked. And we can follow this today. Babel still happens today. We still get stuck in Jerusalem today. And our faith can often just become about ourselves. Our faith can often just be about input and never about output. We get so focused on our own spiritual formation, which is important, and we have to have that. But we just get so much flowing into us and never flowing out of us. And what do we know about bodies of water if water only flows in and never out, right? It becomes like the Dead Sea. It becomes a swamp. And if we are to live on mission, in the same way the gospel is to flow out of us, in the same way our gifts, our spiritual gifts, are to flow out of us to others, not just for our own building up, not just for our own benefit, that will result in stagnation. We are called to be missionary people from which the gospel flows. And as disciple, as disciples of, of God, 
we recognize that, that this mission is about increasing his family, right? This mission is about spreading his word to others. And there's so much that we can be involved in as disciples of Christ. And there's so much that we need to be involved in. But of all the good deeds that we can do, of all the charities we can be involved in, if at some point we're never preaching the gospel, we're never declaring his good news, then all that stuff just falls short. We don't experience the fullness of what discipleship means. If we had the best charities in the world and we alleviated all suffering and we essentially brought every poor person up to the middle class, okay, well, I've known a lot of people, very wealthy, in the middle class, not a lot of suffering, pretty easy lives, but guess what? That great lifestyle doesn't actually save them. If there's not at some point eternal salvation, then we're missing out. We're missing out on that key part of God's mission. It has to include this gospel. It has to include the good news that God wants you to be a part of His family. And so that's our mission. That's our mission. That's who we are called to be, to live as missionaries. Currently, God has placed all of us in Rapid City, South Dakota. And so currently, we are all commissioned as missionaries in Rapid City, South Dakota. Now, some of you are eventually going to move. Some of us are going to move on. And some of you, I believe, are going to be called by God actually to leave the capacity of missions that you are in, or probably to go to missions full-time. I think some of you are probably called to that. But for the time being, we don't wait until that day. We don't wait until the day when we're off somewhere else, and then we start a mission. No. If we are a missionary people, and we start this today, then this lifestyle, this attribute of who we are, takes place in Rapid City, South Dakota. And we live as missionaries, and we partner with God's mission, to the black hills. And so, do you remember who you had a discussion partner with? Five more minutes. Back into discussion. Now that you've been quiet for a really long time. Back into discussion. Discuss this question. How can your life be lived more fully on mission? Okay, ready to go. We'll give you about five minutes or so.
being at an so I'm not too worried about this being an awkward space. You guys are doing great. That's good. I would love the problem of not being able to get attention back. That'd be good. You guys are so into the discussion. That is great. But bring it on back. Okay. So we are all called to live on missions. And I hope that we all begin to consider how we can live more fully on mission in our lives today. Okay. And the thing that I know many of us feel is that we think, well, no, missions is only for the professionals. It's only for the people who are trained um, and equipped in a seminary or who have advanced degrees or just those charismatic, outgoing people, and there aren't any other introverted missionaries. And that's not true. Okay? It's not just for the professional Christians. It's not just for people who have graduated. It's not just for older people. Okay? Just consider how Jesus commissioned the eleven, the disciples, right? We have to recognize that they were not very impressive. No offense, you guys are very impressive. But nonetheless, he doesn't care if you weren't. Okay? Now just a week earlier, all of the eleven disciples, now that Judas has betrayed him, but just a week earlier, all of them, except for John, had denied him. Okay, right before the Great Commission. All of them had denied him a week ago. But he still says, no, you're still my missionary people. You are still the ones that I'm going to send out on mission. You are still the ones who are given this responsibility of the Great Commission. And so, good news, we don't have to be perfect and we don't wait to be perfect. We begin this today. We're not called to improve ourselves all that much. We're just called to be obedient. To follow him. And he will use us. And he is going with us. We're called to live on mission not because we're great and we're cut out for it, just because we're his people. Just as it's who he is as his people now, this is just who we are. This is who he has made us to be as a missionary people. And, guess what? Because it's not even about us, that's even less pressure um, that we have to be impressive. Because guess what? We're not going to tell everyone how good we are. We're going to tell them about Jesus anyway. I was at a missions conference just a few years ago, and Alliance Pastor Andrew Chum, Andrew Chum said this. He said, for the first century Christians, witnessing was, we found the Messiah, come and see. For 21st century Christians, it is, we found ourselves, come and see. We found the best church, come and join us. We found the best music, come and sing with us. We found the best preacher, come and listen. 21st century Christians tend to witness about other things, like how to be a good person, how to be successful, happy, do social justice well, maybe even how God loves people. Those are good things. But if we witness about those things, and we never get to Jesus, we fall short. Jesus told us to witness about Him. And that takes a lot of control. Because He is. And we witness about Him. We are just called to follow and to obey and to tell people about Him. Now, Jesus had sent out the eleven disciples after He returned, but earlier on in His ministry, He actually sent out missionaries earlier. The first missionaries He sent out was recorded in Luke chapter 10. And this was when He sent out the 72. Familiar with that? This will actually probably be its own sermon in a few weeks, but we can talk about it twice, okay? Jesus sending out the 72. And so I want you to look just at the beginning of this passage, Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. After this, the Lord appointed 72, 
72 others, and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. It's the first time Jesus commissioned missionaries. And you see what his, his instructions to those first missionaries were. The first thing he instructs them to do. It wasn't to, you know, get ready to work hard. Now get ready to work a lot of overtime. He didn't instruct them from the very beginning. You need to come up with a strategic plan. You need to learn. You need to get smarter. No, his instructions regarding this huge harvest and this opportunity, first and foremost, is to pray. So what do we do as we start living life on missions? Should we make a new logo? Should we rename and rebrand our church? Should we get some cool new catchphrase? Bigger building? It helps build slicker service, right? Should we get more electric guitar up here? How about more cowbell? (laughs) That's not part of the instruction. Jesus says, start by praying. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers. Essentially, ask God, who's in charge of the harvest in the first place, to send more workers into his fields. And if we're going to live as missionaries, if we're going to live as workers in the harvest, then this is where we start. The first call of the missionary is to ask God to raise up workers and to ask Him to start with us. To say, God, would you send workers into your harvest field when you start with me? You know, He has 72 workers. That's, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of workers. Why doesn't he just send them out and when they get back and they can, like pray for more? Because 72 is a good amount, right? <laughs> but the first thing he has them do is acknowledge there's more to do than you could possibly accomplish. There's more to do than you can do. Even all 72 of you. So he calls them to pray. And that's our call as well. To pray to God. Would you begin with me? Would you raise up more workers? And so this is our prayer today. Lord, I want you to raise up more workers for the harvest field. And I want you to begin with me. Okay, don't miss this. Before we get to the rest of the work, before we get to the nitty-gritty on how we show the gospel, on all the different methods and all the different opportunities, we start first and foremost with us, with prayer. We start by acknowledging the things that no human effort or plan or gifts can accomplish, that only God can do. And so we ask him to do that. Now very rarely does Jesus actually instruct his followers on what to pray for. He instructs them a lot to pray, but he doesn't tell them very often what to pray for. But in this case he does. Pray for more workers for the harvest. And so we recognize this. That as a missionary people, as people who follow him, that we pray for the harvest. And that we pray that he would start with us. And so as we begin this 10-week journey to talk about missions, that's what we're going to do today. That's what we're going to start with. We're going to start with this prayer. And so go ahead and turn to those people that you've been discussing with, and we're going to give some time for this. We're going to give some time to pray to God, God, would you raise up workers for the harvest? And would you begin with me? So let's bow our heads and pray. And I'll begin this and... 
We'll give you a few minutes to pray, and then after a few minutes, the band will come up, and we'll continue on worship. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, here am I, send me. We recognize that you are the God who came to the world as a missionary, and God, we want to be your missionary people. And so, Lord, do you raise up workers for the harvest, and would you begin with me?
So, Father God, hear your workers. You raise us up and equip us and send us into the hearts. God, here we are. We ask that you would send us. And we ask that you would continue to raise up workers, Rapid City and around the world, who would partner with you on your mission. And we'd play our part and we'd live as missionaries who follow this missionary God. So God, we ask that you would raise up workers for your harvest and would you begin with us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.